This is our third session now on 2 Thessalonians 2, 9-12, and I can't imagine too many things more important than what we're going to talk about here, namely the very nature of, of saving faith, what it is to believe the gospel, or as it says in the, in the next two verses, we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved, by the Lord, because God chose you from the beginning to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and through belief in the truth. We are saved by belief in the truth. And here we are condemned because we do not believe the truth. I want to know what that is, don't you? So, Father, I pray that as we look at this again and the amazing way Paul relates belief in the truth to a welcoming of love for the truth and how that relates to Satan and the powers of signs and wonders that can sweep us away from the true Christ. Oh God, strengthen your people with a deep love for Christ and all that you are for us in him, all that is true in him. I pray this in his great and glorious name. Amen. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, with signs and wonders in the service of a lie, and with all deception of unrighteousness for those who are perishing. Let's just stop here. So who's going to be deceived? Who's going to be led away and astray by that power? And the answer is those who are perishing. They're going to be destroyed in the end, in hell. However, we're not just told, oh, there are people who are perishing, they're the ones who are deceived. We're told there's a mark. There's a mark on these people as guilty. Namely, the reason they're perishing is because they did not welcome the love of the truth. Now, that's a very literal and accurate translation. They didn't want it, and they didn't welcome the love of the truth that they might be saved. So so ponder that with me. Just think about what that means. Love for the truth was not merely absent from their lives. Their lives already contained a prior love that resisted the gift of the love of the truth. They are so dead in their trespasses. Let's say we are so dead in our trespasses. We don't love the truth by nature. The love of the truth has to be given to us. And these people are marked by the fact that they will not be given it. They are going to rise up and say, I don't want the love of the truth in my life. Now, why would that be? What kind of contrary love is there? So let's keep reading and you'll see. On account of this, God sends them a working of delusion so that they may believe what is false. We'll come back to that next time. But look at this. In order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but— Now, here's the alternative to believing the truth. What is the alternative? He puts it in categories of pleasure. The alternative to believing the truth is taking pleasure in unrighteousness. And I would argue that's the prior love. Deep down 
we find more pleasure, more satisfaction in unrighteousness than we do in the truth. Therefore, if the love of the truth is offered to us, this prior love says, no, 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 I don't want to love the truth. Even if you could make me love the truth and find pleasure in the truth, I don't want it. I'm committed to this pleasure right here. And that pleasure is described as the contrary or the opposite of believing. So I'm suggesting that at the heart and nature of believing the truth by which we are not condemned, but rather saved through believing the truth, verse 13, I'm suggesting that at the very heart of this believing is not just a mental persuasion of something that is true, but rather an affectional persuasion that is better, that the truth is more pleasurable than falsehood, more pleasurable than unrighteousness. So I'm arguing that saving faith is not merely a mental apprehension of the accuracy of the gospel, the truth of the gospel, but is a heartfelt esteeming of the gospel, of the truth that makes it more desirable than unrighteousness. Now, why is that so relevant in the context of satanic delusion? Why is loving, loving the truth, put it in red, loving the truth as essential to believing the truth so relevant to this situation at the end of the times? And the reason is because Satan can't persuade us mentally to believe something false if our hearts are profoundly delighted in the truth. Let me illustrate from Deuteronomy. We've seen this before. I'll show it one more time. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder that he tells you comes to pass, in other words, this is not a joke. This is not a trick. It's not magic. This is real, demonic, miraculous, supernatural miracle in the service of what? And if he says, let us go after other gods, so it's in the service of a lie, real miracles in the service of a lie. If that happens, and he says, let's go serve them, what should you do? You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. Why? For the Lord your God is testing you. How is he testing you? To know whether you love, love the Lord your God. That's it. That's it. It's only love that's going to keep us from doing this. If there's no deep love for the Lord behind our persuasion that the Lord is true, we will cave. We will be swept away by the signs and the wonders. That's what Paul is saying. We must have a love 
for the truth. And the reason they are perishing is because they didn't. They don't welcome the love of the truth. And therefore, they are swept away in this deception. When the man of lawlessness comes along and says, I am God, if he offers them enough pleasure in unrighteousness, they're goners. And so I think Paul, by weaving together, will not welcome the love of the truth and thus not be saved with they're condemned if they don't believe the truth. This believing and this loving, believing the truth, loving the truth, are interwoven. And if you are saved, if you have saving belief in the truth of the gospel, you also have built in a kind of treasuring the gospel, finding more pleasure in the gospel than in unrighteousness. And that is what not only is going to be the instrument of your union with Christ and thus your final salvation, it's going to be the means by which you're protected against supernatural demonic deception that will try to make the man of lawlessness more pleasurable.